Hey everyone, this is Brian with Mid-City Vineyard Church and our weekly conversation and podcast. I'm sitting outside on Magazine in Jackson this afternoon, so if you hear a couple sirens and uh, big trucks and stuff, that's what's going on here. Hey, if you want to learn a little bit more about Mid-City Vineyard Church, you can check us out uh, at our website, midcityvineyard.org. You can check us out on Facebook, Mid-City Vineyard Church, and Instagram, at Mid-City Vineyard. Uh, this week, our conversation at Mid-City Vineyard uh, revolved around the ascension, the ascension of Jesus the Christ. After he had been raised from the dead, 40 days later, he ascended into heaven. And so we looked at kind of what are the what are the ramifications of that? What does it mean for us? What does it mean for uh, the people of the world that Jesus would actually ascend? Why was, why was that important? What was going on there? And so that's what we're going to be uh, talking about today. Also want to let you know that in the uh, weeks to come, we're going to be starting a new series entitled, I Have Always Wondered. And this is an opportunity for uh, anyone in our community of faith to ask questions about the Christian faith, things that maybe you've always been curious about and always wondered. And so if you have a particular question, we invite you to email it to us at midcityvineyard at gmail.com. And that series will begin in just a couple of weeks. So we're going to head on over to the conversation. Thanks for joining us and uh, much peace to you. So this past week, according to the uh, According to the church calendar, 40 days after Easter is what is considered on the church calendar Ascension Day. So Ascension Day actually took place on on Thursday, and Ascension Day is the day historically, 40 days after Easter, that Jesus ascended into heaven. And then 10 days later, which will be next Sunday, is what is considered in the church uh, the day of Pentecost. And we'll talk about it a little bit next week, but that's the day in which uh, the disciples were waiting in the upper room. You might be familiar with the story. And and, uh, they received the Holy Spirit. And there are uh, lots of different interpretations and understandings of that, but we'll get to that next week. Today, I wanted to spend a, a minute talking about ascension and what might be, uh, the, what it might mean for us as the people of God, so to speak. In Luke chapter 24, this is the story that we uh, are given here when it comes to the ascension. It says that Jesus then said to them, his disciples at this time, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what was written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses to these things, and I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. 
And then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. Now, there, there are a couple of things about this particular passage that I want to look at today. The, the, the one thing is we, we must come to a place of understanding, of, of taking on the Jewish understanding of how those people in that day would have encountered Jesus alive and how they would have taken things as they, as they understood these things coming at them. So you've got to think of it like this. I watched with uh, my son Micah. Where's, where's Micah? <laughs> Micah. Anyway, I was watching The Sixth Sense with Micah this week. Has everybody seen The Sixth Sense? Okay, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it. Um, but it's 20 years old, so you should have gotten there by now. But in the movie The Sixth Sense, and it's more fun if, if you've done this more than once, it's, it's fun watching th that type of movie with someone who has not seen it before, as one who has seen it. Because you realize at the end of the movie, seen it? Are they going to see it? Girls, you're, you're a little younger. I don't know. At the end of the movie, you realize that the main character has gone through the whole movie without realizing that he is dead. Okay, but you get to the end of the movie and you realize that the main character, Bruce Willis, is dead throughout the entire movie. But he, he doesn't realize that he's dead. You don't realize that he's dead. So when you watch the movie again, you're watching for all the things, but you need the end of the movie in order to really understand the whole movie. And so it was one of those movies. At the end of it, I remember seeing it in the theater, whatever, 20 years ago, thinking, oh my gosh, I've got to come back tomorrow and watch this again so I can really understand the movie. I personally find that that's what most of the scripture is like. I find that that's what the story of Christianity is like. I find that that's what the story of Jesus is like. It's, it's, it's like now where a lot of times, even, even today, we're looking back and we're putting together the puzzle pieces. And that's what's happening even in this moment with the disciples. You realize that Jesus says, listen, everything that happened, it had to happen because of what the, the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms said. This is all the Old Testament Jewish scripture. The, the law of Moses is, is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And there were things written in those hundreds and thousands of years earlier about the Messiah. The Psalms and the prophets, all these things were mentioned. And Jesus says all, everything that was written there had to come to pass. And then it says Jesus opened their eyes so that they could understand what was written. It's as though there was an aha moment where they realized Oh, I see. He was dead the whole time, going back to the sixth sense. Now it all makes more sense. Jesus, it says, opened their eyes, and at that moment, they, for the first time, perhaps, in their entire lives, they realized, as if Jesus truly is the Messiah, then he had to die, come back to life. It all had to play out, and now he won't stay present physically, but must ascend back to the Father. There's an interesting thing that happens at resurrection. Remember Easter, and we talked about this. Resurrection is built into the fabric. What happens at resurrection? The entire story of creation is turned upside down on its head. Think about this. Because in resurrection, we see a brand new world created as God intended it to be. 
and it overflows, the new world overflows with the power of love and mercy and grace and goodness. Think about this. Jesus comes back from the dead, as we understand the narrative, and Jesus visits with people who he knew. But every time Jesus visits with any of those people, when he's, when he's come back from the dead and he visits with those people, they are scared, they are nervous, they are anxious, they are confused. Now, why would people be scared or nervous or anxious or, or confused? Because if you were to kill someone and you knew they were dead as dead could be, and then they came back and they were like, hey, I'm back. So you had been the one to murder them. What might your first thought be? You might not be able to say it out loud. But it'd be one of those moments where you're like, oh. Because we live in a world where if the dead person comes back to the person that killed them, there, there's going to be vengeance. There's going to be revenge. There's going to be. But Jesus says, hey, don't be afraid. Listen, don't be anxious. Don't, don't, you know what? Don't worry about it. It's done. But not only that, I, I forgive. And I want you to take this love and this acceptance and this forgiveness. And I want you to allow it to shape your life. And I want you to, like, go live this way now. And you don't have to seek your own revenge. You don't have to live in a world uh, 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 of, 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 of oppressing others. Sure, you've been oppressed. But I'm setting you free to not oppress other people. Like, I'm, I'm, there's a complete reversal of things going on here. So Jesus comes back from the dead, and he says, don't be afraid. Don't be anxious. Don't worry. Instead, he says to the disciples, you have understood now. There's a thing that has happened. You've seen my life. You've seen how I live. You've seen me die. You've seen me come back from, from the dead. You've been witnesses to this. This raising up of sorts. And now, I want you to be witnesses to this. And it says that Jesus then held out his hands. Well, he blessed them. Most of the time, blessings go like that. And it says, as he is blessing the disciples, he <laughs> ascends into heaven, vanishes into heaven. There's so much weirdness. So much weirdness. You've seen the paintings, perhaps, of like the disciples looking up and they're like their feet hanging out of the cloud or something. It's like that's weird. Um, I think personally, this is my this is my take on it. I think it's very symbolic. Did Jesus actually like float up into the heavens? I absolutely think that with the divine, anything is possible. At the same time, I don't think it really had to happen that way. I think that what's going on here, there are, there are a couple things. First off, you have to understand that in ancient Roman times. Julius Caesar, once Julius Caesar uh, had, had died, there were, there were paintings and there were images of Julius Caesar actually ascending upward into the heavenly place. And then his, his, uh, his son, Caesar, was known then as a son of God because Julius Caesar, had, there were images of him ascending into the heavens to take his place as a god. And this was written in... Jewish Roman culture. So this would have been Luke's way of directly saying that Caesar is not Lord, Jesus is Lord. So there was, there's all kinds of things that work into these types of narratives. 
The other idea here, though, is that I would, in, I would say to you that Jesus very easily could have just walked, 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 and kind of moved into another dimension of sorts because Jewish understanding of heaven and hell, or not heaven and hell, heaven and earth, Jewish understanding of heaven and earth is that there is a very thin separation to the point that here we are on earth and there is, <laughs> this stuff sounds so twilight zone, but I, I think I get it. But there's like literally a dimension. There's a, there's a space, there's a place where, where the divine is and it's not far off. It's not like, oh, like millions of miles in outer space where we gotta take rockets and shuttles, but like God is here. And when all is said and done, the typical Jewish understanding and Christian understanding is that there will be a marriage of heaven and earth, a complete marriage of heaven and earth. There's not a, there's not like this separation kind of thing. So that's why we, that's why we believe that God is literally and actually present here today. We don't have to go off to some far place. And Jesus was showing this that in his new resurrected type of body that Jesus is able to live in both dimensions is the best way I can think to describe it without without uh, uh, any any problem there going back and forth. The idea here is that Jesus says though, listen, you've seen me alive, you've seen me dead, you've seen me alive again, you are witnesses to this. This is not just you've witnessed it with your eyes, so now go and tell people. This is so much different. This is, this is, you've witnessed it in your life, in your mind, in your soul, in your heart. You're not just eyewitnesses, but you're living witnesses, meaning that you yourselves, he's saying to his disciples, you have experienced now this type of love, this type of acceptance, this type of mercy, this type of grace, this type of forgiveness, like you're witnesses of it. You yourselves have experienced what it is to be risen, to arise with new eyes and new life and new love. And I want you to now go, don't just go tell people about this. Oh, go live out this witness. Go do the very things. Go practice the very things that I'm showing you. Go actually do the stuff that I've said. Like the love your enemy part, go do it. Because that's resurrection life. The fighting on behalf of the oppressed, go do it, because that's resurrection life. The not allowing yourselves to be controlled by, by, by uh, status or power or, or money, or go do it, because that's the resurrection life. Like Go be these types of witnesses. Breaking down racial boundaries, go do it, that's resurrection life. Breaking down issues of sexuality, go do it, that's resurrection life. Breaking down economic statuses and, and, and how people operate and, 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 and love together, that's resurrection life. Like, go do it. That's what your witness is. Your witness isn't just good talk. Good talk doesn't change anything or anybody. And so he's saying, look, there's a change in your reality. And what happens when Jesus ascends to heaven, again, take that story for how you want. If you, if you want to believe that Jesus like literally ascended into heaven, go for it. If you want to believe that he walked off and just disappeared forever, go for it. And if you want to believe something else, go for it. Here's the main idea here, is that Jesus was physically on the earth, and then he wasn't at some point. And the idea is that Jesus was taking his, this is where we get from scripture, Jesus was taking his rightful place 
as the one who conquers death, as the one who conquers unforgiveness, as the one who conquers hate, as the one who conquers darkness and taking his rightful place as the ruler of the world. And he's going to go to the heavenly space, which is kind of like the control tower for the time being. He's going he's to rule from there, and there's going to be a day when heaven and earth are completely married together, and all things on earth will be as God has always intended them to be. Until then, God is in that heavenly space, wherever it is, however it is, right here, ruling, and he has left people here to say, until there's a full marriage, I want you to experience and practice what things, the way God intends things to be. Ultimately, when heaven and earth are married together, there will be no racism. So God says, Jesus says, just practice what I'm saying. Ultimately, when heaven and earth are completely married together, there will be no socioeconomic differences or oppression of the powerful over the weak. There, it won't be there. So fight against it now and work against it now. Make heaven on earth the best it can right now. That's why we pray the prayer on earth as it is in heaven. Because get busy. Get busy. But Jesus is the ruling ruler of the earth and the heavens and everything belongs to Jesus. And then we look out. And on some days, you know, it's easy when you when you go to, you know, maybe maybe you got a chance to vacation to the mountains of Colorado, or maybe you've been to some fancy city, or maybe you're you've been on some uh, Alaskan cruise, or you, you've done something, you know, and you're like, and you sit on the deck, and you look at the mountains, and you see the the the, the snow caps and the, the glaciers, and you're like, wow, yeah, God definitely reigns here. But then you live in New Orleans, and you open up the the, 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 the internet, and you see how many people were murdered on a weekend, and you're like, but obviously God doesn't reign here. <laughs> you can kind of see. But God does, and he's inviting Christians and people all over the world to begin practicing that presence here and now. What does it look like? And people need to get in on it, extending the mercy and the grace and the love and the kindness. People need to get in on combating the powers that be that oppress the oppressed and working for positive change and moving this thing forward. Because there is a reality that Jesus is king on earth, even as it is in heaven. And there's coming a day. We call this the kingdom of God. The kingdom is the rule of God. The way God intends things to be. There's coming a day when it will fully happen. It'll fully be married together. We're not there yet, but we've got we've got something to witness. That's what's taking place right here, as best I can understand it. In the book of Luke, in the book of Acts, when when Luke tells this story twice, I, many people believe that Luke wrote Luke and Acts, um, but nobody really knows. But the same person supposedly wrote both and talks about this story about the ascension of Jesus, saying, listen, resurrection means that death is conquered, darkness is conquered. Ascension means that the entire earth, heaven and everything is under the rule of God. Get in on it now. Get in on it now. Because that's where it's headed, is what Luke is saying.
So my question is, <laughs> and it really is my question, is as a faith community, like how do we get in on it? I mean, how do we get in on it? I mean, how do we continue to practice these things? How do we, individually and as a community, bear witness to the fact that Jesus is the one who rules the world? Um, okay, Lionel, you start it. Yeah. And hold it in the hand and it's true. So I don't want to be so you hold it so that. But it's written. It is written. Yes, it is. I agree. So what do you, I don't know, I, I mean, in all seriousness, and maybe it's much bigger comments, maybe it's like we need to sit over dinner and figure some of this stuff out. But, but what does it look like for us to really not just talk about it? What, what does it look like for us, even as a community? Um, you know, I know I do things individually in my life, you know, I, and you do too, but, but there are even bigger things. You know, I, I think about, um, and I, you know, this is a safe space, right? You know, but I think, I think about, you know, the, the, the mass shootings that keep taking place. And I'm like, at, at, what point, at, at what point do our people rise up and be like, you know, this seems wrong. Like, what, what can we do? <laughs> like, what, you know, when, when kids are getting blown away in schools, and I do feel like we should stand up for those who are, Weak, and I would say in this situation, children. The defense. Mm-hmm. I, like what? At what point? I, I don't know. How how do we f- more more bear witness to what it looks like to actually take care of the planet? You know that is being destroyed so quickly. How do we? How do we bear witness to these kinds of things? Or those those two things are near to my heart. But what is near to your heart? What what kinds of things are stirring you? What kinds of things are you thinking about? What, how do we do this stuff? 